Hello. Hi, is this okay? Like, is 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 the like can you see me all right? Is I the glare too you. much? No, I can see it. It's working. Good. Welcome I... to your 27th hour of Zoom straight today, right? Fuck. <laughs> Fuck, but this is this is this will be pleasant. <laughs> You've this, you've been on Zoom a lot lately, man. I've been on Zoom a lot. I am, and you know, sometimes it's fun, and sometimes it's like just shoot me in the eyeballs right now. Like, yeah, yeah it's yeah, totally. Uh, um, yeah, I'm I'm directing a play in Pittsburgh from Dallas. It's being shot like a film on a theatrical set, and while you know, I'm excited to gain new skills. Sure. Um, I just. I don't know. Like, I don't, I mean, I meet, I've met this guy, this great DP, Mickey Miller, who is like super cool. And fortunately he loves horror movies. Cool. So we speak the same language. So it's been really easy to communicate with him and tell him what I want. And I can say shit like, um, yeah, I want it to look like Dogville or I want this to look like whatever. And he's like, got it. Right. That's great. So that's like a great contact to make, um, but I just don't know if this is theater that we're making. Yeah, it's a, it's a, I mean, I, yeah, you and I have talked about it a lot. It's such a strange situation to be in. Um, and, you know, lo- losing the live aspect of live performance is a, right. is a bizarre thing. And like the only, the only thing about it that, that, to me makes it worth it is, well, that's part of it is meeting, meeting people in the industry, but also it is for a university and my, and my, my cast are seniors. Cool. This is like their senior year, you know, at least they have some work to do. At least they have some work to do. And at least, you know, and I try to make it educational as much as I can. And so does Mickey. And I've been telling them, Hey man, now you have, now you know what it's like to be on set. Now you know how film works. Now you can go audition for film or TV or whatever. Those are, those are huge things. I mean, it, yeah. it, it's, uh, you know, I, I mean, you and I have talked since that, but like I was on a, on a, I had a very, very, very small part in a television pilot this past week that mm-hmm. I went to go shoot. And I came back and we were, jo- I was joking with you. It was like, someone needs to teach a class on what it's like to sit around doing absolutely fucking nothing for six hours. Right. And then all of a sudden them being like, okay, do your fucking thing, man. You're um, on. It's a weird, it is, it's a, just a bizarre, um, I don't know if skill is the word. I'm not saying I'm skilled at it, but it's such a strange aspect. That's so different from anything you would ever be taught in theater school. Right. And no one, yeah, no one, no one teaches you that. I think it is a skill. I think it is a skill that to, you know, that, you're there. It's that old adage, right? The, uh, what is it? Wait, uh, hurry, hurry up, up and, and wait. wait. Yeah. You just hurry up and wait. Yeah. And, and, uh, and then you got to be able to turn it on when, yeah. when, when you need it. And, uh, because they I, do not want to waste their time on you. Nope. Like do the thing you did in the audition and fucking just do it and let's move on, you know? Right. Yeah. It's right. a very, very weird thing. I am, um, um, I'm drinking my Coke Zero today out of my Slytherin cup. Perfect. Excellent. I'm, I'm trying, to get, fin- I'm trying to get canceled, Michael. <laughs> oh, because I'm, oh God. That's so I'm so tired. I, I'm so tired. Someone please cancel me. Cancel, just, this will be easier. Yeah. I, I finished my last Coke that you gave me for my birthday. Oh yeah. You know, I was going to buy you like a giant case. Uh, you gave me a bunch and, uh, a couple, and I, I have worked my way through them. Fantastic. Um, I have my Smurf cup. <laughs> I love that Smurf cup. Have, uh, you had, have you had tacos? This week I haven't. And I actually was disappointed because I got to go, I shot in, in Austin and San Antonio. Um, Ooh, dang. Which are two great taco country taco cities, but the rules were so rightfully so. Right. Um, the, you know, I got tested when I got to Austin uh, and then basically was somewhat sequestered, if you will, like was kind of told to just hang out in my hotel and, and not really see people um, until my test was uh, negative, which it was. And 
And then when, when I got to set, it was very much like, here is your prepared food. It is in its own package. Um, don't, I didn't, so I didn't even, I even felt weird, like ordering out and meeting a delivery person. Yeah. I was like, you know, they, they have all these rules in place to keep everyone safe. And I'm not going to be the one to, to fuck it up. So I'm sad I didn't get to have tacos while I was down there. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, been hard. Have you had tacos? Um, last, I'm, I'm be honest. Last time I had tacos, I think it was, it was last week. Um, and I just went to, you know, because I'm doing comforting things. We've been talking about comfort horror Mm -hmm. and I just, I really just want things that comfort me. And I just honestly did not feel like, even though it's, it's, you can pretty much guarantee if you go to a taqueria in East Dallas, you're going to get good tacos. Sure. But I just went to La Banqueta. I had a whole mess of tacos from La Banqueta and uh, they're doing good. Good. I'm, I'm so happy to see, and they're like social distancing and they keep, you have to stay outside and there's a certain amount of people and people waiting in line and nobody making a fuss or anything, just kind of there waiting for their tacos and they were as delicious as ever. Everybody masked. Everybody great. staying safe. I'm, so, I'm, and I'm glad they're doing well. And, and I have seen the place by me, La Pasadita, um, which also seems to be doing well. And that, that cause you know, I, I, I don't want anyone to lose their job or anything. No. But like, I don't fear for the chains as much as I fear for these smaller places. Yeah. You know, so I'm glad to hear they're doing, and La Banqueta, that's the best. Classic. Um, so we we were gonna do. We had big plans. We were gonna. Do we a, had big plans. We were gonna do a midnight, or, or we were gonna do a big Halloween thing. And then I got stuck down. I got stuck. I realized I'm old, and I was driving home <laughs> from San Antonio, and it was like I got to Austin from San Antonio on my way back uh, at like ten o'clock. And if I were younger in my olden days, would be like, yeah, fuck it, I'm gonna just drive uh-huh. through, get home to Dallas. And like the second I drove into Austin, I called Aspen and was like, I need to stay in a hotel <laughs> or I will not make it. Um, so I didn't get home when I was supposed to. And then you had 47 hours on Zoom. Yeah. We were like, fuck it. We'll just do, we'll, we'll do our Halloween thing a couple days after Halloween. Yeah. Which is, is fine. Um, so here we are. And that's not like also the thing that we were excited about. That was exciting. We were planning to do like a midnight Halloween thing. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I was going to watch. Well, I did. We were going to do something special. And I texted Michael and I said, hey, man, the early access for the craft legacy is available. Do, uh-huh. we, dare, do we dare do the craft legacy for Halloween? Um and so I went to Prime and it was $20 to rent it. Yeah. And I said, well, um, I would, I mean, if, if it had gone, if it had come to Alamo, if we could still go to Alamo, we probably would have gone to see it. Yeah. And probably and, spent way more than $20. Yeah. Probably <laughs> would have bought chicken fingers. Yeah. Um, and so I said, fuck it. I'm, I can write this off and I'm going to, I'm going to watch the craft legacy and I'll let Michael know. Um, and Michael was like, I'll get to Dallas and I'll watch it and whatever. Like I wasn't even 10 minutes into the movie, right, Michael? Not, no, not even. Yeah, I was like 10 minutes in or so. And I texted you. I fucking hate this. Yeah. That was the first, <laughs> I was at my hotel. That was the first message I got. <laughs> I think I was like, well, let me know how it goes. And literally like eight minutes later, it was just, I fucking hate this. And then a series of uh, other texts. So, um, and then you basically were like, do not fucking pay money. Yeah. For this. Don't pay money for this. Wait till it's free on prime and only watch it. If you want to see how to cut the fucking balls off a witch movie. Yeah. I, so, so this led us to where we are today, which was, let's talk about which movies and which movies that you, that we think work. And then right. I wanted to let you jump in on why you, why you were, I mean, you were like legitimately angry, dude. <laughs> I was really angry. And I also want to say that we, we did watch, I mean, Lords of Salem is one of my favorites. Yeah. And that's one we really want to talk about. Right. So we are going to talk about Lords of Salem today. 
But I was just so, okay, so first of all, it seems to me that first you've got a teen movie. Mm-hmm. This is a, t- a teen movie with witchcraft, right? Correct. And so when you think of like teen movie coming of age, what whatever, whether you think they're problematic from the 80s or whatever, the first thing that comes to your mind is teen movie. There's going to be some kind of moral dilemma. Sure. There's going to be some kind of thing or movie just in yeah. general, in right? General. There's going to be some kind of thing that this teenager wants to do and they're having questions about it because they're going through all these changes and all this stuff. Do I do it? Do I not do it? Do I learn who I'm going to become as an adult? Right? Right. But it seems like today's teenagers, according to Zoe Lister-Jones, writer and director, have no moral dilemmas. Because they're They're, all They're all perfect. They're all perfect and they're all hyper woke. Yeah. They're all so woke. I hate saying that word. Um, That all you get in the craft legacy is like a cup of soy bean ice cream. (laughs) Like I'm not even going to say vanilla because even vanilla is interesting. Like it's it's like you're getting rice dream. Yeah. Like you're you're getting a cup of rice dream. No offense to <laughs> vegans out there. And like plain rice dream, like not even chocolate rice dream or matcha or whatever. It's and it's and it's it's rice dream based on what was like your favorite ice cream from Yes. <laughs> it is like rice plain rice <laughs> dream unsweetened. <laughs> yeah, based on bluebell bride's cake okay and it's like there's there's just no comparison no i'm not spoiling anything i'm gonna tell you right now that i'm gonna fucking spoil this movie right now because i don't think anybody should watch it i hate it so much it can go to fucking hell okay i fucking hate this movie so much so the you know and you see it 40 miles away the the main girl is is Nancy from the craft she's it's her her daughter okay right. you see it from miles and miles and miles away fine that's great i don't mind sure. right uh, yeah whatever because you go oh maybe i'll see Feruza Balk at some point which you do but you see her for 2 seconds so the best part of what i was waiting for like wasn't even worth it wasn't even worth it david Duchovny, who i told you um he probably did this for a paycheck. They probably had him for like two days. Mm-hmm. Um, and just so bland. I guess like the only villain that we have in the world now, like that's the only villain that we have. And he plays like he plays the leader of this like men's help group. He uh-huh. plays the leader of this kind of like um, masculinity or like promise keepers. Okay. It's like a promise keepers thing. And so I'm, you have, you said you have Duchovny, so the de facto villain becomes the sort of middle-aged... I'm so angry. It's the, my anger. Okay, wait, hold on. This is insane. So Duchovny, white dude, only villains we're allowed to have is what you said. It's the only villains we're allowed to have. He plays the leader of this like weird promise keepers group for men where it's like, you know, let's be even more toxic. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's not even interesting. I mean, it's like... like it's we. We know rich white straight guys are 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 weirdo villains right now. Like we know that. Yeah. Like who cares? Also, like the, these three. The, she okay. She doesn't set the rules at all. There are no rules, so you don't really understand. She wastes so much time on like we're witches montage, and I have powers with my finger i have fire and it's like the first craft didn't even do that like the first craft i mean sure they could move things like can like what is it with telekinesis and stuff but mm-hmm. that didn't even come until much later this yeah, is yeah i mean weird. the first first thing she does is she changes the color of her eyes she changes the color of her hair right and they explain it they're like this is called glamour right uh-huh. this is something that you know every like everything in the first movie is based on something that they are also teaching you as you go along there's yeah. an older wiser witch that 
gives them the rules. Uh And whether they choose to follow the rules or not is their choice and what leads them to have problems, right? Right. But in this movie, no one talks about the rules. They have such a, like a fun montage about being witches and they have to make sure and let you know that everybody is accepted. Everybody is, you know, can go to whatever bathroom they want. Everybody can, you know, it's just so hyper woke. Yeah. So, I mean, obviously I didn't see it because you told me not to, and I'm going to wait to see it for free. But I will say like, to me, one of the most interesting things about the original craft for all of its 90s awesomeness and terribleness. Right. Is that it takes, if you will, <laughs> the three sort of major character types that are popular in those movies. If you just say the protagonist, the antagonist, and the mentor, right? Mm-hmm. All of those are women in the craft. And the role that the men fill in the craft is very much like, you know, Skeet Ulrich is the shitty asshole. And even he exists for them to basically learn like is revenge worth it right Um, is it or is an asshole boy worth all the effort that you put that you're putting forward yeah and so it keeps i think the fact that the both the protagonist and and antagonist are young women in the craft is the strongest part about it and it also is seems very true to sort of being a young person in high school either male or female or or any gender um Is that like, fuck the adult world. Right. Like, yeah, there's asshole white men out, of course. But like, fuck the adult world. We exist in our own fucking world. Right. So of course, if I am the hero as a high schooler, the villain is is right across and she was my fucking friend. Right. That's more interesting to me. Yeah. And the, the, the thing, like, there's a dichotomy. Like, there's, like, the, the, Nancy and what's her name? I can't remember her. her God, what is her name? Robin Tunney, whatever. Ro- Robin Tunney in The Craft. They are friends. They become friends. They're just, they're equally powerful. Yeah. They're equally powerful. They are both young women who are realizing their powers. They're actualizing their powers. Mm-hmm. And Nancy, I will argue that Nancy is a fucking hero. In the craft, yeah, she 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 is defending her friend. Yeah, she defends her friend. She takes it too far. Yeah, I think. I mean, I think that's the beauty of that movie. I think what she does at the party is like fuck yeah. She defends her friend, and then like you said, she gets power hungry and it goes crazy. Right, and Robin Tooney realizes her power, realizes, oh shit, I don't need this asshole guy, but right. I have to be careful with my power because my power is what made him like me in the first place. Right. Okay. So that's more interesting to me than like, than yeah. Versus a rich white guy. Yeah. Played by a bored David Duchovny. Totally. Totally. <laughs> you know, and already, I mean, I love David Duchovny. Don't get me wrong. I love him as, as Mulder, you know, and in other things. And, but his acting style can be described as sleepy, in my opinion. Yeah. I, so he doesn't even he doesn't even make like a super, super, super intense villain. Right. He's just sort of Duchovny up there, I assume. Yeah, he's just yeah. Duchovny. Which is why he was perfect as Mulder. Right, um, right. Because G- Gillian Anderson had to do most of the heavy lifting acting. Right, exactly. And he was really good at being dry and sardonic. Mm-hmm. And you believed he was as smart as Mulder. Um, that was it. That was his job. And to look like Mulder, which he does. <laughs> um, right. It's just, it's, it's, I was just so disappointed. I was so disappointed. They rushed through it. There was so much, there was so much there that, that could have been, and they lost it. Like the kid dies from one day to the next and nobody is really talking about it. Um, they had, there was just such potential, you know, and, there they, was, and it was and squandered. They, yeah. They, it was squandered because even with the, with the love interest who at one point comes out as bi, like they, what they do is there's a bully. She has to deal with this bully. Of course, first day of school, she gets to school, she gets her period. She gets made fun of because she stains her pants. Right. Yeah. So then the three little other witches uh, go to the bathroom and they're like, hey, man, it happens to everybody, blah, 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 blah. So then they put a spell 
on that guy that made fun of her, the bully, and they they bring him to his higher self. Like that's the spell that they put on him. So suddenly the next day, the bully is super, super, super woke, like super anti, anti, anti trans, anti racist, anti, you know, all the things that you're supposed to be now. Uh And he comes out as bisexual. And so they take him into their fold, right? And I was like, okay, a boy witch. That's interesting, right? Something's going to happen. But then the, the main girl, of course, has feelings for him and she does the spell on him. He falls in love with her. And then the next day, unexplained, for some unexplained reason, that really has nothing to do with this. He, he's dead. He's dead. And then she starts crying and they're like, oh my God, do you think it's because we put a spell on him? And she's like, oh my God, I put a love spell on him. And they're like, oh my God, Lily, you're not supposed to do that. We made a pact and blah, 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 blah. And it's like, yeah, but you never talked about that. Like you never actually told her we only do spells together. Like I never knew that. Right, I mean, it didn't come up. <laughs> it didn't come up. And fuck, if I were 17 year old, 17 and could put spells on people, I wouldn't wait. I would no. just be doing it in my room by myself all the time. I don't need three friends. I myself yeah and so then this is this was the part that really fucking just burned my ass so the three witches shun her right because they're good because they're like you just you 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 overstepped you crossed Uh a boundary and you know you can't be part of our coven anymore because you put a love spell on a boy without asking us permission and then they realize that they're just maybe they're just not responsible enough to have these powers and so they bind themselves. You know how in the first one, yeah, Robin Tunney binds Nancy. She binds them and yeah. binds Nancy. They're like, we're just not clearly, we're not, um, I don't know, appropriate. We're not woke enough yet to, have to use powers. our powers, to have these powers. So we're going to bind ourselves. And then that's, uh, it's just, I was like, I was like, fuck off. I was like, yeah. fuck off with and your I, lame I, ass which movie? And I brought, I brought, I brought up a point to you. It's like, okay, Bloomhouse apparently owns every fucking property that was ever made ever as a horror movie, and so they just keep re quote rebooting this everything, everything. They just keep doing it. Right. And I was like, you know, if you really felt the need, if you really felt the need to bring the craft back, um, why, why, why are you just going to make one more fucking movie that tells us? we can't have women in their forties as leads. Right. Like why not just make a fucking sequel? And of course they can have children. I'm sure some of them would, that would just be normal. Sure. And you can have the younger generation, but why we, those four main women are good actors. They've continued to work off and on over the years, some more than others, obviously. Um, but you're so again, we can't have a movie in all its wokeness, as you said. But God forbid, God forbid, we would have a movie that was led by four 40 year old women or right. mid 40s or whatever. Right. I think it would have been more interesting. It would have yes. been more interesting because it, we wouldn't have these random four. Well, random three girls, I guess. Like it would, it would have been related to. It would have been related to the previous story. And the right. most interesting part of this story was that the young girl doesn't know she's adopted. She learns that she's adopted, and we find out if you're an idiot and you can't see it coming. Right. You find out towards the end of the movie that Nancy, Nancy is her is mom, her. and she clearly was given up for adoption because. Nancy is in an asylum, asylum and in a hospital, but not even that is interesting. Like you don't even, you don't even get any kind of like story about that. All they tell, because the interesting thing, the interesting thing would have been that she got pregnant the night that she was with Skeet Ulrich. Yeah. And that's what I assumed when you told me, no, that I, that's what I thought too, that she was the daughter of Nancy and Skeet. And it, no, they just kind of say she suffered a trauma okay. in the hospital. That we are not told about. That we're not told about. Cool. Because, I don't know, it could trigger you. Oh, so, man. Um, so yeah, it was terrible. So then we were like, fuck this bullshit. We're going to talk about Lords of Salem. Yes. So let's, okay, so that's a witch movie you hate. Excellent. I hated it. 
Lords of Salem is a witch movie that you love. I um, love it. I finally watched it because I know it's been a, a favorite of yours for years. And I had I had not seen it because um, of my, I have sometimes issues with Rob Zombie. Yeah, I get it. Not as a human being, as a director. As a human being, he seems like someone I would really fucking love to hang out with. <laughs> um, he yeah. seems awesome. Uh-huh. Uh, but you were like, dude, come on, man. You got to give Lords of Salem a shot. It's a different kind of film. I really, really fucking loved it for two thirds and then didn't hate it or anything. But the end, I was like, ah. It just um, goes off the rails. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah it, it does. It just goes off the rails and it turns into a Rob Zombie movie. Totally. But, but the first two thirds of it, yeah. I'm like, oh, I like this. Yeah. And so, so Lords of Salem is, we are, you know, I don't think he's not, he's not hiding it. It's in the title. Uh, we're in Salem. We meet our main character who is played by Rob Zombie's, uh, that's his wife in real life. Correct? It's his wife who looks exactly like Liz Martin. Yes. And now I feel like an asshole because I know she has her own name. Um, it's something moon zombie. Yeah. She's, I'm sorry. She's great. She's great. And she's like, sort of like an, an ultra hip radio DJ. Yeah. Um, on this very popular radio show in Salem. Mm-hmm. That and she so, hosts with two other people. With two other, yeah, with two guys. And we are also kind of quickly given some backstory about this one group of, of witches in Salem. But from it, back in the time. Back in the time. But it's very quick and it's very sort of like... Um, I think the thing that Rob Zombie does really well when he's like, just shows you flashes of a thing. Mm-hmm. And like You'll get more information later if you need it. Just fucking go on for the ride. Right. And so one night, so they have, they host this radio show in Salem and it's getting spooky because it's Salem. And they have a, a guest on who's like written a book about witches in Salem. But then when she's leaving, she receives this package that came to the the radio, to the studio. And it's addressed to her and it's this album. It's just a, it's just a record mm-hmm. um, in a really fucking cool looking weird old box. Right. That I would totally buy. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And she goes home. She actually goes home with one of the dudes. Clearly they've had some sort of off and on relationship. Right. Um, and once she plays this record, shit starts to get weird. Right. It's like, and the music, I have to say, I don't know, I guess Rob Zombie wrote it. I think actually someone else wrote that part. Oh, well, that that melody, that uh-huh. melody or that whatever you call it, the first time I heard it, I was like, oh, shit, is something happening to me? That shit is chilling, man. <laughs> yeah, like, it's yeah. chilling. And so that's and that's the that's the effect he wants you to have because yeah. we're also getting flashes of late night Salem and things going at the pizza place and yeah. at the bike shop and whatever and it happens to be all these women working late night right yeah. and so he's there she's in her well no we that that comes later but he plays cuz they're having dinner in her apartment also he was in, he had to have been inspired by Suspiria the old one. Oh, absolutely. The art direction in, yeah. in her house is fucking incredible. Ab- yes, absolutely. I mean, I, think, yeah. I don't think he would, I can't imagine he would deny that. Right. I mean, the door opening in the red light and the Right, wallpaper. the wallpaper, all yeah. that stuff. But so he plays, he plays the record for her, the music plays, and she starts to like, what? Like something about this music is freaky. Yeah. And shit goes down. Yeah, and, to go down, and then they play it on the air, and that's when we see the the like women in different sort of places throughout the, the town uh-huh. are affected by it. Um, and we again, this is a spoiler, so you know if you want to duck out and watch Lords of Salem, I mean, but we we come not surprisingly, we come to realize that she is in some way connected to this thing that happened with this group of women hundreds of years ago during the witch trials. Uh-huh. Um, and it's it's sort of like we learn about a curse and revenge and all this stuff. But the way the thing starts to affect her, which I actually really fucking loved, was she starts to have some really bizarre, often very carnal 
hallucinations. Yeah. Specifically the one in the church, which is fucking crazy. Dude, that is fucked up. Yeah. And so zombie, and I think in zombie fashion, combines elements of like traditional horror. Like that one scene in her apartment where she turns off the light and walks out and yeah. just lingering in the corner is that fucking thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, and it's just there. It's just there. Not doing anything. And if you if you looked away, like it was fucking great. So he has these like traditional sort of horror elements that I think he does very well in, in this movie. Actually, I think better than in... I like this much, much better than, than his other movies. Mm-hmm. Um, but then he also has those like Rob Zombie elements that are cool where he just does like hit you with like a barrage of fucked up imagery. Right. Um, and I think like in the church and stuff, it's really unsettling and effective. Yeah. There's that one scene also where she finally uh, goes, they take her into, so again, spoiler, uh, the other great thing about this movie is that we've got uh, uh, Judy Geeson, um, Patricia Quinn, uh, D. Wallace, uh-huh. who are all they're all classic scream queens. Uh, like, yeah, I yeah. mean, and Patricia Quinn, who you know, I I know just as Magenta from Rocky Horror. I mean, that's uh-huh. Patricia Quinn to me. That was so I got I got so excited. Yeah, Patricia Quinn and Judy Geeson, who's a Hammer vixen. Yeah, and, and Dee then, Wallace, who you know has been in like it was in Howling. Was yeah. in the Howling, the first and, Howling, and then comes back in in uh, House of the Devil. Yeah, and then E.T. Right? Yeah, yeah. And then like one of the main, like the main witch is played by Meg Foster. Uh-huh. So like you have all of these women who you know he's doing a thing. It's very meta. And and uh, when they finally get her into that apartment that's down the hall, and it is it is like a palazzo. It is like this beautiful <laughs> Italian palace. And that funky little chicken fetus at the top of the stairs. That's what I decided to call it. I was like, what the fuck is that thing? The first time I saw it. And like, I I guess I'd forgotten about it because this time around, I was like, oh shit, here comes that little chicken fetus. Hashtag chicken fetus, man. Hashtag chicken fetus. And I mean, just the imagery is fucked up. And then suddenly she's back in her own bed. Yeah. Asleep. Or is she? Or is she? Yeah. You start to see her physically and sort of mentally kind of deteriorating. She's not Mm -hmm. showing up for work. She had, she was obviously a recovering drug addict. Uh Uh-huh. She starts using again. She starts using again because she doesn't know what the fuck is happening to her. Right. And so, okay. So I don't want to talk about the plot too much because yeah. you, you really need to go see it and just know that towards the end of the movie, at the climax of the movie, like it, it does kind of go off the rails it goes in, full a, Rob in, a, in, a, in a Rob Zombie way. And yeah. it's just insane. And you're like, oh, are those cardinals sitting on those chairs really doing what I think they're doing? Yeah. Yes, they are. They are. Um, and yeah. I said the final third. It's not even that. It's really just like the final 10 minutes where it yeah. kind of goes totally off. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. But I had to ask myself, because you and I talk about this all the time, you know, and in, in recent years, some of our favorite witch movies mm-hmm. have been The Witch, of course. Yeah. And also uh, Gretel and Hansel. Gretel and Hansel, yeah. liked that. Uh, that are two sides, I think, of the same argument or story. Yeah, there's this even, yeah, basically this origin stories in a way, right? Yeah, and even though I wouldn't call Midsummer a witch story, I would include that. Yeah, I would include it. It's the folk horror. It's yeah. pagan, um, and sh- and the protagonist is a woman. Yeah, uh, who realizes who she is, um, and those are all very pro witch. Yes. This movie, do you think it's pro-witch or anti-witch? That's a great question. <laughs> um, ooh, I, you know what? This this is might be a total cop-out. I don't know that it's either. I think it is if you do harm to a powerful woman, <laughs> you, you will eventually fucking pay for it. You're going to pay the price. Whether... It is justified or not. I don't know. I don't know where zombie falls because what it, the effect it has on her is pretty brutal. Yeah. Um, but it's like, 
that lady back in the day told you. She fucking told you. She warned you. <laughs> and here's the thing. It's yeah. like back in the day, it's... She, okay, so spoilers now. It turns out that our protagonist, uh, Heidi is her name, is the descendant of the of a hot she's a hawthorne right yes. um and she is the descendant of that reverend hawthorne uh-huh. who sent this woman um to the gallows yeah. her and these other women sorry about my dog yes. called they're called the salem six yeah and she he was the one who sent the salem six to the gallows and and it's meg foster and meg foster says i'm gonna fucking get you yeah, I'm going to get you. So fast forward to mm-hmm. modern times. And because you kind of think you, you kind of don't know what's going on. You get all these little pieces. And at first I was like, oh, all these horrible things that are happening to her. She's being turned into a witch. She's realizing her power and she's being right. turned into a witch. But but it's very brutal. And she starts using again. And for two seconds, I was like, I don't like this. I don't yeah. like this. But then. Of course, he turns it around on you, and yeah. she's not being turned into a witch. She is the person who is catching the revenge. Yeah. Yes. Um, yeah, and it's her great, 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 great grandfather's fault, right. or something like that. Um, and all of the daughters of Salem. So yes. all the women in the town that are affected by this music are daughters of Salem. Uh-huh. They have a they have a history in Salem, and they are all being punished for the sins of their. Ancestors, yeah. yeah they're, um, they're male ancestors. Right. Um, mostly. A, yeah. I mean, I I think it the imagery is is I put it up there with like some of our gento stuff. Yeah, and um, I, I think he I think that he definitely leans into that. I also think it's like he clearly must have looked at very specific paintings, I think. Yeah, um, like Hieronymus, Hieronymus Bosch. Bosch. Yeah, that was yeah. the other thing that, that that came to mind. I think that's where chicken fetus comes from. Yeah, chicken fetus, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, totally. And then because it's Rob Zombie, I mean, the things he does sonically, either with music or just sound, are, man, he does some really badass yeah. shit. And, yeah. And that's it's, what it's, it's, it's always... Because I'm not a, uh, I have friends who are huge, huge white zombie fans. Mm-hmm. I've never been a huge white zombie fan, but I've always been like, well, this dude's fucking like he knows what the thing he does. He's really good at it, right? It's not necessarily my taste in music, right? Same um, here. But I think here he gets to play around in genre with musical genres a little more. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we have like, well, he'll just do something like really operatic and fucking weird. And the creepy album itself, and then you still have some like zombie, white zombie sounding sort of background music. I I, I loved a lot. I thought that was great. Yeah, I mean it's super. It and and Salem itself. I don't know if you've ever been to Salem, Michael. I have not, and I really oh, want well, to go. Well, it's so I love Salem, obviously Natch, but Salem itself is a character in this movie. Mm-hmm. And it, it like he captured it. It he really did because it's moody. It's always moody. It's always foggy. It's always atmospheric. Like you're walking down the street in Salem, and it does always feel like some creature is going to come, around, you know, come around step again. out from around the corner, right? Yeah. Um, it is definitely witchy, 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 and uh, and I, I mean, I like the idea of. That it it shows um, the sort of horror of of what happened it, during the trials, yeah. Um, but then also grants us like, no, no, one of those women actually was a witch, right? <laughs> fuck up your, your whole right, <laughs> right, exactly. Which is, you know, I mean, yeah, I mean, I just think that that the story we we care for her. We, yeah. she's, you know, we care about her relationship with the guy. Um, I thought that was one of the m- more um, effective, I guess what I would just call a B storyline mm-hmm. um, because he doesn't belabor it, but we know, a, we learn a lot about that relationship. 
right in in small bits and you do care about and about both of them individually but also together and you get a sense of whatever history they had without us being told like well don't you remember when we used to date back in 98 or whatever right exactly um, and so I, I thought that was some very effective storytelling um he de- I mean, he nods a lot to a lot of classic witch stuff because one of the things I also loved about it was, you know, Dee Wallace plays, uh, not Dee Wallace, uh, Judy Geeson plays her landlady. Uh-huh. And uh, Dee Wallace and Patricia Quinn are her friends. Yeah. And at first they just seem like these really nice older women yeah. who get together and have wine sometimes. And, and, and who want to take care of the younger one who's who they really like, but seems like she might need a little help. A mother right. figure. But know. they really have another plan for her, like yeah. which is absolutely throwback to Rosemary's, Rosemary's baby. baby. Yeah. And, and they play it off. It totally works. When, when Judy Geeson is like, I care about you and I'm looking out for you. I totally believe it. Yeah. Oh you know? yeah. And I thought the scene when, is it Bruce Davison who plays the writer? Yes. And, and Maria Conchita Alonzo plays his mm-hmm. wife. Which was right. cool. I haven't seen either of them in a while. The scene where he comes to the apartment and meets the three women, yeah, uh, was I thought fucking fantastic. Yeah, absolutely fantastic. Yeah. Um. So, I, yeah, I was. I don't want to say surprised because I mean, I I was excited to. I mean, it was like I need to watch it. I know it's one of your favorites. I just I liked it. I enjoyed it much more than like. House of a Thousand Corpses, or mm-hmm. even like my, a lot of my problem, I shouldn't say problem. Like I said, I wish I could hang out with Rob Zombie. <laughs> uh, but a lot of my issues with him as a filmmaker goes back to his remake of Halloween, which I really, really hate. Um, yeah. And for very like, to me, I thought he made some choices that were just I just don't understand why he made them. I mean, and that's um, totally understandable, man, because you love Halloween. I love I love Halloween. Halloween. But you love that movie so yeah. much. So, but this was, I think, is is really cool. And I think it it combines the the things he does really well um together. And it also feels like somewhat of a smaller film, but I don't mean that in a negative way. No, it, it's just it feels intimate. Yeah. And I and I like. I like that. And I like her as, I thought she was such a, a, an interesting protagonist or lead. I, I, because that's that's part of why I like it. Yeah. I think she's, she's not rich, but she's not poor. She has a cool job, but it's not like she's famous. She's middle-aged. Like it's not like she's 18 years old. I mean, I think she's probably close. Like in her late thirties, thirties. Yeah. Um, It touches, it hits on, like religion in a really interesting way. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, I, 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 I really enjoyed it. And yeah. it, to me, it was also like, it is a different take on witchcraft than the witch or Gretel and Hansel or, you know, Midsummer if we want to mm-hmm. put that in there. Uh, it's, 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 it's unique, you know? Yeah. Um, so go check out Lords of Salem. And yeah. it's not even like really that gory or anything, right? No, I mean, there there are parts there at the end uh, in, in the climax of the movie yeah. that get gross, but it's not so much like you're not seeing people being torn apart or anything right. like that. It's just the imagery, yeah. the, the imagery that's kind of like, oh, my God, because he goes there. Like, yeah. he really yeah, he didn't fucking come on, man. He, he didn't fuck around. He's Rob um, Zombie. <laughs> yeah. And it's uh but in uh, it's it's really wonderful in in a weird way. Yeah, I mean, this was like L- Lords of Salem came out right before all of the witch movies that are kind of like really told from from the witch point of view. Yeah, you know, um, and it's you know it it is scary. So go check out Lords of Salem, y'all. Um, yeah, I was gonna say I had a, a very huge general general question for you mm-hmm. why do you think um why do you think we are seeing uh a resurgence or or, or reimagining if you will 
of the of the of the sort of witch and witchcraft stories because it has become i think incredibly popular over the last several years well i mean i think it's it's really clear i don't think that we have to dig too deep for this and i think it's because you know it is due in part to this uh wokeness if you want to call it and you know I, and and i'm i'm just going to say it we have like a fucking racist misogynist rapist who's in charge of our country right now mm-hmm. and uh go vote, <laughs> go vote please um oh god <laughs> yes and so i think that and it's interesting to me that my three favorite most recent favorite witch movies are all written and directed by men mm-hmm. and and i don't know these men seem to have a, a respect uh-huh. And a healthy fear yeah. of feminine power. Yeah. I, and I think I, it's about time, you know? Um, I, I think that's, I mean, I, I, yeah, I think you're absolutely right. And I think it's, it's a, a really effective uh, story or form of story to talk about, um, you know, what is ultimately thousands of years of bullshit that right. uh, one gender has had to deal with um, that the other has not. And I think right. if in with those three guys who made those movies, who are all incredibly talented, uh, I think absolutely there's a healthy fear and respect. I also think, God, especially Ari Aster mm-hmm. um, in oh, actually all, all of them, uh, they, they are, are well aware of the horror and bullshit that men inflict upon women right um, on a daily fucking basis right i mean i think and again we're using midsummer i know like you said it's not technically a witch movie but it but it is, is. very pagan it it's, it's folk it horror um the way he writes those guys those like asshole fucking arrogant grad student men right is I think comes from a place. I'm not saying he's like this. I can't imagine that he is. But of of every male n- knowing a lot of dudes like that, mm-hmm. and have probably at some time done something along the lines of being shitty in that way. Right. Um, hopefully, when they were younger, and then they fucking learned. Right. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think that's definitely it. And I think it also is another really interesting way to show how um, the um, several major religions, I think we deal with Christianity specifically because we're American and we live in a very sort of Christian country. Right. Um, but how several of the major religions um, sort of crushed uh, what came before them. Right. And <laughs> took, what, took what was a religious belief system that granted power to women right. and created religious belief systems that deny power to women. Out of and fear, I, because you can't give women too much power. Because right. if you if you let women run things, right, then... You would get rid of COVID. You would get rid of COVID. <laughs> like, they would just... I just really feel like they would not put up with, your, with, with the bullshit, no, right? No, ab- absolutely. They would just get shit done. Right. They would just get shit done. Lists would be made and things would happen. <laughs> things would happen quickly. The yeah. children would be t- having s- all, all their classes from <laughs> home. They're, everybody would get aid in yeah. because this government could just fucking print more money and send it out. Sure. Yeah. Right? Because money is fake, everybody. Absolutely. It's faker than time. And yeah. time is fake. It's fake. Um, and so, yeah, I think, you know, I think in Midsummer you see that, but it's not just in Midsummer. It's like, it is, it is also, sorry, my hair is ridiculous right now. I just saw it's it. It's fine. So is mine. That's why I keep nice. pulling it back. Um, it, is, it is an indictment of, yeah, yes, Christianity. Of, yeah, of Christianity but, and toxic masculinity. Right. But it's like, it's not like Christianity is the only major religion to um, deny women uh, power. <laughs> like Right. And and, and this this is part of why I do like Lords of Salem. And even though it's like right before these other movies that we're talking about, because like you said, it it is basically uh, if you cross a powerful woman, get ready. Right. Because she's also she was also human. Like she's flawed. We're not saying that women are perfect or that witches are perfect or whatever. But power corrupts. 
Yeah. And, and they were, I mean, it, it, wrongfully like the, they were, yes. Yeah. Um, no. And I think that's, I, I think you see that in Midsommar, Midsommar as, as well. Um, and in the original craft, then mm-hmm. no, not, the, uh, Florence Pugh in Midsommar is by no means a perfect human being. Right. Um, she has a very sad life and that's not her fault, but there are other, she is a flawed human as all humans are. Right. Um, uh, Nancy is flawed, but they all are flawed in the original craft. It's how they deal with that and how they grow or learn or whatever. Um, I, to me, the idea of this, like, everyone's perfect, like, that's boring as fuck. And it's not so boring. Not based in anything. And that was what was so uh, infuriating about craft. The legacy was that mm-hmm. the, these three young women who were, you know, they were they were perfect. Right. That's so one uninteresting and based in 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 no in no world in no world um, right and the and the protagonist her big like the, the her the way she she dig, digressed or whatever was that she wanted a boy to like her yeah god forbid that's never god, god forbid you want a boy to like you yeah i i you know that that also like man isn't i mean isn't being a teenager just like Failing on a massive scale day after every day, (laughs) every day, and just trying to pick yourself up and fucking get better for the next round, man. Right. Well, that's what I thought. That's how it was for us. Yeah. And and so that's, I just, here's my argument is like, that is still how it is. That is still how it is. This idea that everything that we have to create and all the art we have to make and the movies that we have to make and the TV we have to put out and the plays that we have to write and everything that we have to do has to present this veneer of perfection because we can't offend anybody anymore is fucking bullshit. Yeah, I agree. It's bullshit because theater is conflict. The root of all drama is conflict mm-hmm. otherwise i don't know i uh, why watch it we no, we, I, we, well, we go to the movies to see people struggle against great odds yeah that's why we go we don't go to see perfect people that's where the problems start yes i i just i don't i don't understand i don't understand it we're going back to a time in the 50s when every family on TV was perfect, uh-huh. where married couples didn't sleep in the same bed, sure, where you didn't talk about uncomfortable things, right. because that's not where everything was solved beautifully at the end of 28.6 minutes, uh-huh. right? And the, the, the 50s were fucked up, y'all. Dude. They weren't perfect. No. And I... <laughs> this is like taking us back to that time where you can't be offensive. You can't say fuck. You can't make fun of people. You can't like do anything. And it's like, I'm not saying do that in your real life. And I'm not saying it's right to do that. But, you know, you have to show in order for us to learn you or for people, for anybody to learn, you have to show humans being fallible and learning from it yeah. and struggling through it. Otherwise, you're going to hate your parents for the rest of your life. Like, do you know what I mean? It's like, I'm not saying I'm the perfect parent, but I do know that one of the things that I thought was really important was to, when my kids were little, was to allow them to see me make mistakes, was to allow them to hear me go, I don't know how to do that. I'm going to learn how to do that. I'm going to fuck up. I'm sorry. I'm going to learn. You're not infallible. Right. Because then your kids see you failing and solving your problems and then they go oh that's normal yeah i it it is that's it's such a it is such a strange move to see when when you you know um i can't remember god i can't even remember i was listening to an interview with a writer um who i really like i can't remember because my mind is fucking soup at this point because we live in a hellscape michael and we're doing everything we can to fucking survive and we don't know what's going to happen in two days (laughs) right um and so they asked him because he writes some like really fucking like asshole characters um and they were like the interviewer was like are you afraid people will think that you as the writer believe what that person says and he was like one i don't fucking care and two, anyone who knows me knows that's not how I think. But three, my job is to show you that there are people who think like this. Yes! 
And that to not acknowledge that is far more dangerous than having a character on screen say something horrible. Right. You know, Um, to to ignore, it's so bizarre to me that that that, that is, it's just so uninteresting in storytelling. And yeah, I'm not saying we don't strive to to not judge people. I'm not saying that we don't that we shouldn't strive to be kind to everyone, that we shouldn't strive to but you know, there are still days where I I question like why do we have to have so many like ways to describe our 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 gender or sexual preference. And like, I'm glad, and I will call anybody whatever they want to be called. I want people to be happy. I am learning. I'm learning, but that doesn't mean that I'm perfect in it. Right. You you know? Yeah. And, and and it doesn't mean if you, (laughs) it's like the, you know, we've gotten so far away from, yeah, we have, I was, yes. But to me, it's an interesting (laughs) part because like, I saw that somebody was like, calling this was on twitter i this is a fucking nightmare was talking about archie bunker as a hero and someone was like you fucking asshole like he created that show to make archie bunker the butt of the fucking joke right and if you don't get that that's your fucking problem right <laughs> like right exactly like clearly george jefferson his neighbor is way smarter than archie yes. bunker yeah, yeah. Clearly, Maud, his sister-in-law, is way, way smarter. smarter. Yeah. Clearly, the hippie son-in-law is way smarter. Yeah. Clearly, Edith Bunker is it's, much kinder. Absolutely. Um, it's, uh, yeah. Uh, go watch Lords of Salem. <laughs> go watch Lords of Salem. It may not be woke, but it is very fucking scary in some places. And at some point goes off the rails. Yeah. But if you're stoned, yeah, you're and I will have say a this, great time. It it doesn't it doesn't go off the rail the rails in a way that like made me angry. It doesn't ruin it. No, I was just like, well, it just got crazy. All right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's like, oh, they went to this they went to this concert and they yeah. all dropped acid. Great. Um <laughs> yeah, so go check it out. Hey, and also we will reiterate, I think we said this last time. But we did a guest spot on a podcast called mm-hmm. uh, Welcome to Jamesville that, that is up now. Um, so go check that out and listen. We, to had, we had a lot of fun and we learned that we know more about movie posters than we thought we did. Exactly. And uh, we got to talk <laughs> about some cool horror stuff on that as well. And we got some soap. Have you tried your Dr. Squatch yeah. soap? It's hey, fucking legit. <laughs> yeah, it's really good. Michael? We have to find a sponsor. Yes. Dr. Squatch, can we get you? What's going on? <laughs> anybody, anybody out there who wants to throw us a few dollars to, to sponsor us. To keep doing this show so we can, you know. Yeah. Um, cuss, cuss on a podcast. That's we'll ha- all, that's we're all happy we to take your money. That's all we want to do. Is it too much to ask, man? <laughs> Uh, so go check us. Yeah, go check out Welcome to Jamesville. It's an interesting show. Our friend Paul Taylor was on the episode before us. Mm-hmm. Listen to uh, Paul's guest spot as well. Um, we are recording this the night before the election. Right. Uh, I have reached a point of, I think, delirium at this mm-hmm. point. Uh, I don't know what's going on. I find myself just laughing hysterically. Yeah. I, I, I just don't know. Um, I seriously really think that I don't, depending on the outcome or maybe not, I don't know. I have no idea, but I may either completely get off Facebook depending uh on the outcome. Sure. Or I'm going to seriously delete everybody that I don't know personally. I think that's a good call. You know, like just close friends and family family because I can't, I can't take it, man. No, it's, it's, uh, it's too much. Um, I might leave the country. I don't know. We'll see what happens. We'll uh, see what happens. But, uh, Yay! Yeah. Other than that, go watch some witch movies, pro-witch movies, or at least, you know, in the middle. Yeah. Don't go anti-witch, except The Conjuring, which is a really good movie. <laughs> it totally, is a good movie, but it is totally anti-witch. <laughs> yeah. Um, we'll figure out what we're going to talk about next time, I guess. I guess so. Uh, oh, right. one last thing now that I'm just oh. rambling. 
Go listen to our <laughs> We Should Have Killed Hitler episode. Oh, yeah, that's right. We should. Is that the one with the purge? It's the purge and the dead zone. Oh, yeah, my God. Yeah, the purge and the dead zone. We should have killed Hitler. <laughs> yeah. Oh, say um, it again. Cool. It's good seeing you, Christy. Good seeing you, too. I'm sure we will talk tomorrow night. I'm sure. Good luck, America. <laughs> good luck, America. Bye. We'll see you later. Bye. Bye. Bye.